hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Today we have a very special Queer Money for you. Our friend Bryn of FemFrugality.com joins us to talk about domestic violence. There's one more week left in October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Bryn joins us to spread awareness about domestic violence, including in the queer community. The prevalence of domestic violence isn't discussed in proportion to the studies that suggest domestic violence affects between 20 to 25% of the population. It's talked about even less in the queer community, many times because victims fear being outed or because they feel they have no recourse from losing family members. Bryn shares with us some of the signs of domestic violence and what to do if you or someone you know is affected by this issue. We hope that you find today's show informative and useful. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Okay, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in-crowd. Everybody wants to to look good. My my decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally, we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt-Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. Well, welcome back to another edition of Queer Money. We're uh, really excited about this topic. Um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and a good friend of ours, Bryn from Femme Frugality reached out to us. Uh, this is a passionate topic of hers, and she asked if uh, we would be willing to talk about it on our podcast, Queer Money, and we thought this is uh, certainly not a topic that's talked about a lot, especially uh, in the queer community. So uh, we were more than amicable to have Femme on our show. So welcome, Femme. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. we can, uh, Femme and Bryn are um, synonymous, so <laughs> excuse us for uh, <laughs> using the two different words. Um, so... Bryn, would you mind giving us an introduction of who you are, uh, your platform, and how you got involved in uh, this uh, important campaign? Absolutely, absolutely. So I run a women's finance blog called Fun Frugality. Um, and as we were exploring some of the issues that we wanted to cover, um, one of them that came up was domestic violence. Um, we had a post go live uh, actually before October, before the Awareness Month, um, and people were very, very excited about it because it's not something that's talked about a lot, period. So as October was coming, um, I started looking at my editorial calendar and decided it was something I really wanted to focus on weekly. Um, And as I was doing my research, I found some super alarming statistics. Um, The first was how much it occurs in relationships where women are living with men and that's their partner. Um, But then and on top of that, what I was finding was that people in the LGBTQ community are actually affected equally percentage-wise by domestic violence and possibly even more um, because of the way the statistics are taken. When you're talking about women living with a male partner, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're what we would consider heterosexual or straight, right? Mm-hmm. So those statistics are slightly skewed. Um. So what I found is that for 22% of the women living with men, uh, they're experienced domestic violence or domestic abuse in some way. 
And then 23% of the LGBTQ community experienced that. And that's um, what I've pulled up from the National Resource Center on domestic violence. Um, I know there's a lot of information out there um, and those numbers might be a couple years old. Um, but I thought it was something that really needed to be addressed. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, we did some preparation for this recording and the numbers, us going through, we, th- we were bowled over by some of the numbers. So it sounds like in general, we could say people, about 25% of the population, to some extent or another, maybe plus or minus a couple of percentage points here, experience domestic violence of some sort. Would that be accurate? That sounds about right. Yeah. And that is crazy. Yeah. It, it is interesting. I think that uh, it's not necessarily something that our community, I've never heard it really talked about, you know, and and, and uh, uh, if that though those numbers are representative of the, of the population, then one in four of our friends is experiencing some sort of domestic violence. Just so that we're a little bit clear, um, what... Bryn, what do you think is a good definition of domestic violence? Because I think it covers, could potentially cover a lot of different aspects. Absolutely. It covers so much. I mean, you have physical violence and sexual violence, which I think is where people's minds go first. Right. Um, but a lot of times prior to that or independent of that, you'll have emotional abuse, um, which involves things like gaslighting, um, people trying, your partner trying to control you um, by manipulating you, making you think you're crazy, making you conform your opinion to theirs or your worldview to theirs. Um, And then another type of abuse that really is what we've been focusing on in this series is financial abuse. Um, That can encompass a lot of things, but essentially what it means is that your partner in one way or another robs you of economic power. Um, And it makes it really, really difficult to exit that abusive relationship when that happens. Um, it, again, it can happen independent of violence, but when violence is happening, that partner is also likely to use financial abuse. I, um, they have it at 94 to 99% of the time. Um, whenever you are experiencing the violence, you are also going to be experiencing some type of economic abuse as well. Um, and that's, again, from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So that's that's alarming because that's something that people don't recognize. It's something that can happen very gradually and slowly. Um, and by the time you realize it's happening, it may be too late to do too much about it. Right. Um, and both those things are generally used as precursors. That's not to say that everybody is going to develop a violent streak um, or hit you or rape you or anything like that. Not everybody will. But a lot of times before the violence starts, you'll start seeing things like emotional and financial abuse. Gotcha. It's very interesting. So the financial abuse is essentially, are there essentially invisible handcuffs? Right. I I would imagine that if you're in a relationship, it's probably very symbiotic, especially if you don't have um, the financial power or the wherewithal to be able to escape, that you feel like you're dependent on that person who's abusing you. And you don't have, especially if you imagine if you're, you have a child mm-hmm. uh, and you can't go without, you know, diapers and food and stuff like that. So you, you feel um, compelled to stay with that person, even though they're abusing you. And you might even know that they're abusing you, but not feel like you have the power to be able to escape the abuse because of that dependency. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I 
though? You know, I think of, uh, I, unfortunately, I'm thinking of a situation of someone we've worked with. And one of the things the individual was saying is that their partner is basically um, using them as an enabler, a financial enabler. This person doesn't work. They expect certain financial benefits. <laughs> and I right. never would have considered it to be um, a form of abuse. But now that I think about it, that potentially is a, an economic or financial abuse when you become, I guess, <laughs> in so many terms, a leech off of someone. There must be some motivational or emotional aspects to that as well. When you make someone feel a certain way that they become dependent upon you or you feel dependent upon them financially, make them feel you know that they're required to take care of you financially. Um, so I guess it could go both ways. You know, you, have, you have someone who is the primary breadwinner winner, and they are manipulating and controlling so that they have the power. But there could be someone who is just the opposite, who is manipulating and controlling so that someone else becomes the primary breadwinner and allows them to have a lifestyle that they've decided to choose. <laughs> exactly. And ultimately, I think you hit the nail on the head there because all these types of abuse are about control. So it doesn't matter if you're the one going to work or if you are being forced to stay home against your will. And some people like to stay home. Um, raise their children. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a Absolutely. major difference between a consensual choice in a relationship and being forced to do something. Um, and so it really doesn't matter which which setting you're operating in. If you're being if if you're being forced to do something, it, that's that's where the abuse can start happening, and that's where they can start exerting control over you. Yeah, sure. So I wonder, what are do you have any? Uh, Precursing precursor signs that someone can look out for if uh, if they might be going down this path of abuse. You mentioned that oftentimes uh, financial abuse comes first. What signs might there be um, that would be red flags? Um, I I can speak more probably to emotional abuse on that. Um, and I am I want to just put this out there for everybody. I am not a counselor or anything like that. I would highly encourage everyone to um, seek out, we're going to talk a little bit later about resources, I believe, seek out some of these resources. Um, but from my research, um, with emotional abuse, you might start to see yourself isolated from friends and family, they might try to start taking over your time first. And it might be something really sweet, like I just want to spend all my time with you. Or it might be it might manifest itself um, via jealousy. Like, well, why do you want to hang out with that person? I don't, you know, I don't want you, they just want to sleep with you. Um, and so you start losing your friends, you start becoming more and more isolated, so you can't reach out for help. And then they have more of an ability to exert more control there. Um, even just slight things like uh, starting to try to change your opinions or values. Um, and really not, you can discuss opinions and values, and you might even hold a lot of them similar. But when it starts to when you start trying to force someone to believe the same way you do um, or abandon one of their own beliefs or one of their own values or one of their own life decisions and you start seeing loss of a partnership and more of that manipulation, um, those are things that they all happen very slowly. Um, but as, and you probably won't, I don't know, most people don't recognize them as they're happening or until they're much worse. But if you start seeing some of those things, it might be a red flag. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably 
hard to catch some of those red flags because they do happen so slowly. And you have to wonder, you have to be careful, I imagine, are you actually changing your opinion because you're getting more information or doing new information? Or is someone forcing you to change your your opinion without you being aware of that, that manipulation? Right. That's very interesting. You have to be careful to not falsely accuse, but you also want to be aware of, of the situation you're in. Right. I guess that you have to maybe question, is there an ulterior motive behind the conversation we're having? Or why does someone want me to change my opinion? Or, um, you know, I don't want to make, make your relation, make relationships into witch hunts, but you do, no, have, no. To, you do have to be careful with, uh, with the reasoning why someone wants to um, persuade you into believing something different. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's, you know, it's a good, good way to probably a good way is to, to maybe check yourself from time to time. You know, we talk about financial abuse uh, and one of the ways to check uh, yourself or your, your partner is to, is to have a regular conversation and to look at each other's credit reports. So you actually see what's going on financially. Well, I guess maybe kind of having that mental check with yourself, you know, what is my, is my partner looking out for my best interests when we're having conversations yeah, I think, and I think. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I was just going to say, open communication is is definitely a very positive thing in a relationship. Like, there should definitely be open communication, and like, even if you have separate finances, working together on your finances is a really positive thing. Um, it just when you start to lose control over your own your own ability to exert power in your life, mm-hmm. that's when there starts to be a problem. Right. So I would guess that one of the first signs, one of the first glaring signs would be if all of a sudden you are losing your friendships and your relationships with your family, you start losing you know, a significant number of people, that might be a good sign that you're being manipulated or um, being closed off from your social friends and family. Another sign might be that you're afraid to voice your opinion even when you you have a different opinion than your partner or, or, or spouse. Right. I think that one of the things that you said there, Bryn, was that you feel like your control is being taken away without your consent. Right. <laughs> you know, if you feel like you no longer have control to speak your mind or live your life the way that you want to, that's when you you have to maybe ask yourself, is this a controlling situation that I'm I, that I am losing, you know, that I'm giving it up unwillingly? Not that there's anything wrong with maybe having some boundaries when it comes to things like your spending or social interactions. As a couple, you need to make proper choices together. And financially, sometimes if you have one person is a spender and the other person is a saver, the saver may be exerting some positive influence on the spender and they may not think that at the at first they may feel like somebody is just trying to control their lives but if it's for a positive outcome or a positive benefit if you can see that then you may know that that's not an abusive situation we talk a lot about uh 
being in a relationship where both partners don't have the same financial goals, but they can support each other's financial goals. Correct. And sometimes it makes sense to have separate accounts. Sometimes it does make sense to put each other on an allowance. But that's always those are always mutual agreements that that the that both parties come up with. It's not that one partner is saying to the other, you can only have, you know, ten dollars a month a week or 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 you you can't have a separate account. Right. You have to make sure that it's a collaborative effort. It's partnership. And if when it doesn't feel like it's a partnership, that might be a red flag. And I think there's probably, and maybe you can speak to this, Bryn, I think there's probably a lot of apprehension for someone to identify, identify a relationship as abusive because it hasn't reached the physical or sexual abuse level. Yeah, absolutely. Um a lot of times you'll be in that situation. You'll think, well, things are bad, but they're not as bad as this. Right. Um, and that's, you can't do that. You can't compare your situation to anyone else's because those, um, that emotional abuse, um, in particular and, and the financial abuse, but it, um, it leaves its scars. Um, it leaves scars mentally, like physically in your brain, you go through, um, that, that much manipulation, and that much you experience someone demeaning you to that extent, um, it's, it affects you. Um, and one thing I want to say too, is if you don't see that physical or sexual violence in your life to be very careful, because just because they have not exerted it before, a lot of times those who exert financial and emotional abuse will turn violent whenever they are facing losing their relationship. Um, and so that can be a very dangerous period in time. So if you are, if you are at a point where you can't, you don't, you feel like you can't stay in the relationship anymore, talk to, talk to a professional before you do anything. Um, because that is the most dangerous point in a relationship. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good to be aware of. If you do feel like you're being abused financially or emotionally, and you're going to use that as a reason to dial back the relationship or maybe even end it, that there could be risk there with that person turning you know, more physically abusive. Because they can't control you through um, your emotions or, or their words anymore. Um, and so they start to feel that loss of control um, more powerfully, and then they, are, they turn to physical violence. Sure. So some, th- some individuals may not even realize that they are being controlling or manipulating maybe they're not doing it with a, a in, with an intention that um, some others may perceive what do you think would be a good way for someone who feels like that they are in a situation like this to test the waters and talk with that individual so let's say John and I are in a relationship and John is feeling emotionally or financially manipulated. I don't necessarily believe that I am or know that I am. What would John do to to test the waters as to see whether or not it's something he could talk to me about? That is something that I would probably refer out to um, one of the resources we'll talk to later. Um, I have personal opinions, but I don't know if they are the best advice, um, in these situations. And because it has the potential to get very dangerous, I don't want to tell people to do one thing, um, and then have something bad happen. (laughs) Right. 
sense. <laughs> we'll, we'll add this to the show notes. I can't think of the person's name, but there was a guest who used to frequently appear on Oprah who talked about how a relationship should be a partnership of equals lifting each other to the highest version of themselves. And I would say if you feel like you're not in that type of, rel- of a relationship, that maybe that's a red flag. If you don't feel like you are lifting the other person up and vice versa, maybe that's a red flag that it's not the healthiest relationship. And at that point, you might want to consider maybe there's something that I should do, uh, whether it's professional help or uh, familial help or friends, help with your friends. But um, that might be, I think that's maybe what we should all be striving for, is that we're trying to make everybody better. um, And as a partnership, we should both be trying to make each other better. I think, can you talk a little bit about your specialty and our specialty is, is money. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, f- uh, the recourses or the way that somebody can, can overcome financial abuse? Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of it is extremely difficult. I'm not going to lie um, because the, the scars of financial abuse can last long beyond um, it happening. So you can leave the relationship. That is one option. Um, you can do counseling or something like that um, with your partner to try and work things out. Um, that's really only going to work if if that's something that the other partner wants to do, though. Um, and and I mean, let's let's be a little bit forgiving here. I mean, we all want to exert control in our own lives. Um, that's, that's a very big thing. I mean, if you notice these things that you're perpetrating these things that you can go get help, you can go talk to somebody and kind of suss out why you are doing the things you are doing. Um, and getting help and change is possible if that is something that you want to do. Um, so some of the things that happen within financial abuse is, um, disallowing you from working, disallowing you from getting further education and job training. So what that can do is it can leave a massive gap on your resume. Um, and for, for women anyways, um, there are programs out there that will, will help them get back on their feet again, um, get the job training that they need. A lot of it is run through charity work, um, in the LGBTQ community, um, those resources are more limited. Um, but if you get in touch with, with the national hotline, um, they can talk to you about local resources that may exist. Um, so that's one way to get over another, uh, not get over it, but to move on from it. Um, another massive problem that sometimes happens in financial abuse is stealing, uh, your partner's identity or, uh, playing around with their credit report is a way to exert control. Um, like I'm not going to pay this bill in your name because I know it will hurt you long term. And if I use that as a threat, then I can again, exert that control. Um, and so those things are harder, uh, to recover from long term for sure. Um, but if you start practicing positive financial habits to the best of your ability, um, remembering that a lot of the stuff on credit reports will come off within seven years, um, sometimes even less, um, and just do the best that you can financially moving forward and look for those resources and reach out, um, and get, get the help that you need. Sure. So I would, I would guess if you feel like if you're in a position where your partner is trying to hurt your credit score, 
that might be a, a sign where you want to go get professional help immediately because that could have long-lasting repercussions and it could make exiting the relationship even more difficult. So maybe that's a red flag to address as soon as possible. I think as you're speaking, I want I, I feel like there's two concerns they have. One is I would imagine that the the the, the numbers the percentages of people affected by domestic violence to, in some way, shape, or form or another is probably underreported because I would imagine there are a lot of of people who are afraid to admit that, that they're in, in an abusive relationship. And I would also think that for queer people, oftentimes it would be underreported because we don't want to paint or put the queer community in a, in a bad light. So we're also inhibited from, from maybe expressing the truth. So I, I would imagine, I know that we're shocked by that the numbers are 25% on average, but I would imagine it's probably higher simply because people are afraid to talk about it. I think that that's more than true. I think that that's something, um, especially in the LGBTQ community, that um, people are afraid to come forward. Um, I mean, there's unique threats. There's unique emotional threats. Uh, your partner can threaten to out you. They can tell you no one will want to help you because of your orientation or your identity. Um, there are multiple ways to control you. And then it is harder to come forward because you don't, there has been so much prejudice for so long. There's already so many reasons um, that, are, that are falsified. Um, so much false information out there. Um, about the LGBTQ community and so much prejudice. And so when, when you think about something like domestic violence, it, it would, it's hard to want to shed a light on that, you know, it, at least in your personal situation, because exactly like you said, you don't want to portray the community in a negative light. And there's a certain level, I would imagine a certain level of, of shame associated with it. Right. And you just don't admit that that's that, that you're in that situation. Right. And, uh, you know, there's 28 states still where you can get fired from your job for being simply for being LGBT. If you're in, a, in a, an abusive relationship and somebody is saying, I will out you, that could mean the loss of your job right. if you are working. And that could that could really hamper your, your financial growth and security. Absolutely. What resources would you say are available for uh the general community and if you have any available for uh, the queer community specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So resources are much more limited for, for the queer community. Um, and I, I think there's two reasons for that. I think that first of all, a lot of, a lot of charities are um, re religiously based um, and some of them are very welcoming of everybody. And then others, there are, there are um, prejudices and judgments. Um, and so services aren't extended. Um, and then I think also just institutionally, I think that we've only really started. Um, we've only really started removing our prejudices. I'm sorry, our prejudices societally um, in the very recent past. And so I don't think that we have the infrastructure built yet that really needs to be built in order to address these situations. Um, there are a couple of places um, locally. I am sure there are more than this, but these are the ones that I'm aware of. Um, if you're in the Boston area or in Massachusetts in general, 
um, there's a fantastic institution called the Network Lared, um, and they do amazing stuff. They provide safety plans, advocacy, support groups, legal help, and then they're also one of the few that I know about that also provide safe homes specifically for men because that's a massive problem in these situations is that when men find themselves victims of domestic violence, emotional abuse, any of that, there's very rarely a place for them to go. Um, and so that's, that's a really great one. There's also another one in New York city called the anti-violence project, um, in the Pacific Northwest, there is the Northwest network. Um, and then you guys were kind enough to put me in touch with Andy. Um, and she sent along information about the Utah domestic violence coalition who also works with the LGBTQ community, um, nationally, if you're not in any of those places, which most people won't be, right, because that's a very small portion of the country that we just talked about, um, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, that website is thehotline.org. Um, and they help people nationally. And they can also set you up with any resources that might exist locally. Um, there are two or three other organizations. Um, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence is a good one. Um, RAIN and also the National Network to End Domestic Violence. Um, and those are all national organizations that if you get in touch with them, they are friendly towards the queer community and they may also be able to set you up with um, some help locally. Yeah, that's a great list of resources. Yeah, I was gonna say that that's probably one of the best things is for individuals who know that there isn't a resource or they're not aware of a resource locally, call nationally because that's that's part of their mission is to help individuals across the country so they know where to get local resources or even uh, resources that they can go to that may be online or uh, through phone conversations to, to provide them some guidance as to what they can do if they're not nearby a, a facility where they could go to if it was a physical situation or a sexual situation. So I have two concerns. The one concern that I have is you mentioned that a lot of these organizations, not necessarily the ones that you mentioned, um, but a lot of uh, domestic violence organizations um, are religious-based. I would imagine that if you are a queer queer person and you f are seeking help and you end up seeking help from a religious-based organization, to me I would be cautious, not apprehensive, but just cautious going into such a situation because they that could be used as an opportunity to try to put you through conversion therapy which has its own problems. So just, just be aware of that. You definitely want to seek help, but you don't want to put yourself in, a, in, a, in another bad situation. Yeah. I, I would venture to say that for individuals who are in a situation where they're looking for help, that, I mean, I think of in, in Denver or in Colorado, we have an organization called One Colorado, which is the leading advocacy group in the state for LGBT rights. Organizations like that would most likely tell you or be able to provide you a list of um, religious organizations that are affirming or are um, accepting. And then they may, those religious organizations may have safe houses or, or places where you can go to. So contacting that your, your advocate, local advocacy group, they, they may not focus necessarily on domestic violence issues, but they may be able to provide you with the organizations that can help. That's a good point. The other concern that I have is doing a lot of this research online. If you're not aware of how to clear your cash or 
if your partner is, uh, I guess, smarter with technology than you are, I can look at your history even if you do clear your cache. That might be something to, to look out for if you're in a situation where you're being manipulated to that extent in terms of your finances. Uh, maybe you want to be cautious about doing something like this online. Remember, everything is, is traceable these days, so yeah. uh, be careful with your phones, be careful with your computers. Uh, and I know that kind of makes the challenge it makes it more challenging, but we just want people to be cautious and, and, and prepared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you do need to do that research and you don't feel safe doing it at home, that's really where you can reach out to friends and family members for help, allowing them or them allowing you to access their technology. And also you can go to the library. Um, it's not, it's not ideal. <laughs> like nobody wants to use those, those, uh, internet cafes with the library, but it's, it's a way that you can potentially keep that information safe and keep yourself safe in the process. Exactly. That's, that's the main goal, right? Keep yourself safe. So, um, yeah, th- those are good, good, op- good resources. Uh, well, I think this has been very eye opening for me. You have yeah. something else you want to add? Yeah. I, I would ask, um, Bryn, for those of us who are, for, fortunate enough to be on the outside of these kinds of situations, what should we be doing or what can we do to be aware of or supportive of individuals who are experiencing this? I actually, um, as a part of our series, we had um, Kylie Travers, who's a dear friend and a, and a fantastic colleague. She's been through this situation herself, all kinds of abuse. And she wrote a fantastic post. I I would primarily refer people to that because she is um, an advocate and an expert in this field specifically. Um, But a couple things that you can do. um, I think the biggest thing is just understand, understand that someone might not be ready to leave or might not feel safe leaving. Um, And understand that there are a lot of reasons for that. Like we were talking about with the financial abuse, it may not be possible to get back up on your feet again. With the emotional abuse, um, it's, it's a cyclical process. The person might not be abusive all the time. Um, they may spend time trying to win their partner's heart back and then the abuse happens again and you're watching this and it's, it's maddening, but for that person in that relationship, they still love that person. They may not be ready emotionally to leave. Um, so don't abandon the person, even if you get frustrated with their decisions, um, be there for them through, through the thick and the thin, um, a few, a few other things that Kylie did suggest that I thought were very positive was, <laughs> um, the use of technology, um, allowing that person to, um, use your technology to potentially find work because that's a wonderful thing about the internet. Um, maybe they can come over to your house for a couple hours a week and earn some money that way online. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they can't go get a job physically, um, also allowing them to store clothes, cash, things that they might need, um, in an emergency at their, at your house. So that if they need to leave quickly, they don't have to worry about grabbing a bug out bag. They can just get themselves safely out of there and know that they have resources with someone they can trust. Um, And again, for anybody who is thinking about leaving, please, please do seek that professional help. Call one of these hotlines um, before you do so. So you make sure that you have professional advice on how to do this as safely as possible. Absolutely. I think that one of the things that I'm hearing from you, Bryn, is that we have to be a cautious advocate for these individuals and let them know that the decisions are still theirs, but whatever decision they decide to make, that we are going to support them in ones that are positive and beneficial for them. 
uh, and just keep on reminding them of that, that, that's, that whether it's physical or, or especially if it's physical or sexual, we want to be there and to do anything that we can. But then the ones that are emotional and financial, it may be harder for us to, uh, to make a stand or take a stand against someone, but we still want to be there so that we can support them if they decide that it's their choice and they are going to leave or they're going, they are going to say something that we can be supportive for them. Absolutely. And even if they decide not to leave, don't leave them isolated. You know, right. like it can be really hard to watch that happening. Um, but don't, don't leave them without a friend because that's when they need a friend the most, you know, um, is, is those times when they feel like they can't leave. Um, and if they don't have anyone that they can talk to, they never will because they will be by themselves, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. and it's a lot harder to do when you don't have a network. So. Right. It doesn't help. It doesn't serve the person, the victim by isolating yourself from them. Exactly. It just makes it actually harder. Right. So and, a, a, a thicker skin, I think, than a lot of people are prepared to, to have, but it's necessary. Right. And although oftentimes it's hard to feel any sort of sympathy towards the predator, the predator also needs to get professional help so that they right. can change their behavior. We all want to be the best members of society that we can be. And they're the ones who need to make, make major changes in their lives. You know, if, if we really want them to change and not become a predator towards someone else, we have to be supportive of the individual who is being victimized so that the predator can be aware uh, and that they know that they can make some changes and, and let them know, you know, I mean, this per these individuals could be friends of ours and we need to let them know that if, you know, it's the situation comes up where we will support them in making whatever changes that they need to make. Absolutely. And I think one thing within that too, is that a lot of time victims, especially when they've been through the emotional and financial abuse, you can end up feeling like it is your fault. Um, know that it's not, know that there is no problem in problem inherent in you that is making this person do this. This is a problem that they have to deal with and you can't make them deal with it. You cannot want someone to change so badly that they will change. They have to want that change within themselves. Um, and I think, I think you're exactly right. We have, when people want that change, we should support them. Um, and we should support that turn towards positivity. Um, but also if you're a victim, know that it's not, it's not your fault. Um, and as much as you may want them to go get therapy or talk to someone, um, that's, that's not a decision that you can make for them. Absolutely. Right. I think it goes back to the, the age old adage, you can't change someone. And that's, it goes from anywhere from whether they are habitually leaving their socks on the floor to the other <laughs> what are you saying about me? <laughs> to, the, to the other extreme where they're financially or uh, physically you know, abusing you. you. You can't change that person. Uh, they have to want to change. So once you can get over that, um, that might you know, provide you with a little direction. Right. And I, I can only imagine that there are a number of success stories out there. Bryn, you, you mentioned someone uh, who wrote uh, a piece for you or was a part of the, the um, series that you did. Absolutely. Kylie Travers. And she actually does a lot of advocacy work. Um, and she writes a lot on the topic and speaks a lot on the topic. She's located in Australia. Um, her site is kylietravers.com.au. 
Um, and so if you're looking for somebody who is very open about their situation and can maybe identify, I would strongly encourage people to read her work. Um, because again, she is very, very open and very, very compassionate person. Um, so very nice. nice. Well, you know, I, I, I guess I'm very thankful that you came to us and wanted to talk about this because it's a subject that John and I have, I think, I don't want to say that we've ignored because we just are ignorant about it. We just, we didn't, didn't know about this, um, the significance of it in our community, the amount of, uh, of abuse. Um, and I think we can kind of get myopic in our own, get in, into our own uh, life and forget that there are individuals who are dealing with these kinds of things. So we really appreciate it and hope that for individuals, for you, if you are dealing with this, and this is something that you, when you're listening, if you're, you're, you are hearing yourself in this story or in these situations, like Bryn said, there are lots of resources out there. So reach out to those resources, the national hotline, uh, and when it comes to financial support uh, and uh, needing to make some decisions, you know, you can always know that you can contact. Uh, us debt free guys uh, for any questions you may have on how to make some changes in your life and improve financially so you can support yourself if that's what's necessary. But if you're in a, fi a financially abusive relationship or a physically uh, a sexually abusive relationship, certainly seek professional help. Um, and if you need to reach out to us for what those where those resources are, please do so. Exactly. But yeah, I think uh, we we do get kind of myopic, and that's part of the benefit of having a podcast because some people come to us with, with, with ideas or information that we had no idea about. Uh, so it's, it's great learning resource. And I think what I'm, uh, I don't know if excited is the right word. Um, but what I, one of the things that I think could possibly happen with, with this particular show is that it's, it's, it's a part of a whole series of other topics, um, focused on, on general queer money, anything from fun to, to serious. And, you know, so it, it somebody who's might be in a, in a, a an abusive relationship might be able to hear this incognito. Um, exactly. Might be a good resource. So um, any closing thoughts, Brynn, that you wanted to share? Um, as I said, this is a very new area for me. I'm um, looking at this within the LGBTQ community. Um, thank you guys so much. You guys, um, John and David actually put me in touch with a woman who works um, in this, in this field every single day. Um, and so anything that we may have missed, um, if you go to femfrugality.com on Friday, um, this coming Friday, so in two days, she'll be addressing some of those issues too. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to delve in, um, a little bit deeper with someone a little bit better perspective. Um, so you can, you can look at that as well. Awesome. So, so that'll be that Friday, October 28th. Yes. Yes. Okay. So awesome. yeah, we will we will have uh, this recording will go live on um, Wednesday, October twenty sixth, uh, and that article will be on Friend Frugality October twenty eighth. If you happen to hear this podcast uh, afterwards, we want to make sure you were able to track that down on on Fem's website. Nice. Well, thank you, Bryn, for uh, bringing this to our attention. And certainly, if there's anything more that we can do, uh, please let us know. And we would certainly love to have you come back any other time, but uh, maybe we can have you come back next October earlier in the month and we can uh, help you spread the message more loudly. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Anything else you have? 
So thank you for joining us for another episode of Queer Money. As we said, we'll have all of the resources that we referenced in the show in our show notes, and we will definitely link out to Fem's website, or Bryn's website, <laughs> Fem Frugality. <laughs> um, and, she, and she has a list of resources there as well. And if, if, if we or she can help you out, certainly please reach out to us and let us know what we can do. Thank you very much, and uh, look out for another Queer Money in another week. Thank you. We want to thank Bryn of FemForGality.com for bringing this issue to our attention. Please remember that none of us on this show are domestic violence counselors or experts. If you or someone you know is affected by this issue, before doing anything else, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. Okay. We just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle Newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all my my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The other end, I like the butts, so... From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.